Happy Easter. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to buy our pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Then one day we'll cross the river. We'll fight life's final war with pain. Then as death gives way to victory, we'll see the lights of glory and we'll know he reigns. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because we know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. I love that. I woke up thinking of that uh, song that I grew up singing even before I knew him. And uh, grateful that uh, his grace, many of us know him. Maybe some of us will get to know him way better today. Um, but uh, a good thing to notice today is Jesus is not a dead philosopher. I started, I got a four volume series, which I'm not even sure it was a good idea to get it because I'm pretty sure I won't be able to finish it, but it's supposed to be the top hundred philosophers that have influenced humans. Um, And it's just like a few pages about each one. And Jesus is not one of the dead philosophers in those volumes. He's not a dead revolutionary that we think of now in the past as kind of a virtuous memorial that we can try to be inspired by and think of as we seek to do virtuous things. That's not who he is. That's not who he wants you to think he is. It's true for many others. Today, you can visit the tombs of Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, others, all the others. And Jesus is different. He's the only one, the only different one. He is alive. He's alive. On Friday night, one of the ways we were led to the cross was through Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Um, We uh, purposely left out the ending of verse 2. And it's okay if you weren't there. Um, We'll we'll rehash it. But this morning, we're going to do something I've never done before, is just preach the same passage two times in a row. um, And preach, and something else I've never done before is preach on 12 words. The last 12 words of a half of a verse, which can seem an insignificant amount unless the content of those words are significant, which I hope not just that I convince you of that. That would be too much for me to try to step into. Um, That would be putting too much on me to try and convince you of the truthfulness of these words. Um, I believe the author's presence is here. And we'll let him convince us all of the truth of his words as we step into them together. The first part of Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
And many people, people maybe we have never even heard of before, but this first verse is talking about people who walked with God in previous times. With them cheering us on. God teaches us here in his word that as we look to the cross, which Jesus looked to with joy before he got on it for us, that as we look to the cross, all that weighs us down, all that bogs us down, all that threatens to take us down, those things are laid to the side when we fix our eyes on Jesus. And as the sin which clings so closely, whether you're 16 or 61, I've talked to people far older than me, and I'm like, when did this stop plaguing you, this sin? And they're like, I'll let you know. Whether you're 16 or 61, the sin that clings so closely loosens its grip on us, laid aside, maybe ripped out of our lives, I've had that happen in some instances. Some sin we struggle with for a lifetime or for decades, but not in the way that we can't also be running. The race set before us with our eyes fixed on him. And you might, it's track season, and you might think that uh, running is something that you stopped doing a really long time ago. Or maybe never picked up that uh, form of torture. Uh, but <laughs> some of those, and I love, this is a beautiful reality. Some of those running fastest among us are some of the oldest in our congregation. We run the race set before us. When our eyes aren't on the cross of Jesus, when we, when we can't really see that man on the middle cross. Um, there were three guys on three crosses that day. Only one of them, the guy in the middle, was rescuing us. Only one of them had you on his mind. Had you in his actions. He was coming to find you. He was coming to get you. He's coming to rescue you, that guy on the middle cross. And if we can't see him, we will be weighed down where we can't run God's race he has set before us. If we can't see him on the, sin, on the cross, the sin which clings so closely to us, it sears our conscience, it numbs our souls, it makes our ability to hear, to feel, to see God in a deep way, Foggy. Jesus is real. He is. He's as real as any of us sitting in this room are right now. And Jesus really did this for us. He's really pursuing us. He wants our life. He wants to show us a new way of living, a new way to run. And when those ideas, those thoughts, become your heart's desire. Sometimes the prayer this morning is like, I feel so cold to any of these things. They're just bouncing off of me. I can't even hear them. That's, that's not, it's not, don't leave out of shame. 
you're, you're welcome here. Like, this is why we're all here. And, and where you're at might be, might be right now is just saying, would you let me feel these things? Believe these things. Uh, understand these things. And, and when your heart's desire has opened up for you to receive him, to see that middle guy on the cross, not just to like, oh, there's a middle guy on the cross, but to, to really receive the moment of what is happening and who is happening. To see him as your savior who is coming for you with joy. A lot of times, many of us grew up in ways that whenever we did something wrong, the person moving towards us did not have joy in their heart. And that's just not a condemnation to my dad. That's, uh, <laughs> we all have dad wounds, and I've just given my kids those too. Um, but uh, it's a foreign feeling in the midst of our greatest shame that the one moving towards us actually has joy and, heart and love in his heart towards us. And maybe it's an experience we feel for the first time with him. And maybe that even helps us parents learn how to move towards those around us that we do truly love. Um, joy in his heart for all of us, he has for us, for us to run into that, to run into that moment. So there's so much here. So all that I said is really a, about Friday night and kind of a review and for us this morning. And we could keep going, uh, the reality of those verses, and we will keep going. You know, we, this happens every single Sunday. We get the privilege of coming together um, and looking to him together, and all y'all are invited to, to that every time we do it. Um, but we have to go into these last 12 words of verse 2. So it starts by saying, And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So just in context, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the phrase is seated was originally written in Greek. Greek was the original language, the original words that are written when this was being written. And every week here, we don't have a Greek lesson, but when it is really important that we should know a nuance in how this is written, we should know it. Uh, the form of this, the, so the Greek word is kathizo. Kathizo is, is seated. Kathizo. And it is in the perfect, active, indicative form. So just by how the letters that are written and the letters at the end, like we'll have wash, washes, washed, the E-S, E-D, are actually telling us the form of the word, um, and we just know that. Uh, some English people in here actually know why we know that, but we just know that. Um, well, here, it would be the same way for Greek people. They could tell, oh, it's kathizo, and know that that's a perfect, active, indicative form. So God could have had the author of this write that word. And that's how closely he breathed out his words. Every single form of every single word. And in this form, he could have chosen the aorist 
active indicative. And it would have been clear to all, based on how it was written, this is the aorist active indicative. And what the aorist would say is that this just happened. It would be like me telling you, uh, this morning when I woke up, I had some peeps because it's Easter. And that's what we're supposed to do is good Easter celebrants, right? Eat some peeps. It's like, I never buy these. I never think of buying these. And I must buy these at this time of the year. I don't know why. I'm buying peeps and I'm eating them. I don't even know what they are and I'm eating them. Um, and so, uh, so if I said that in the aorist, I'd be telling you it happened. In the past and it's done. My peep eating this morning is over. Right? Um, but here, this word isn't an aorist. Seated, is seated, is a perfect active indicative. And what that means is that the action happened in the past and it is still happening. That's what the perfect means. The aorist means it's happened. And it, that could have been an aorist. Hey, this happened. He got seated next to the Father. By choosing the perfect, he's saying he was seated and is seated. It did happen, and it's happening every day. So why such a big deal for Jesus to have been seated at the right hand of the throne of God and for him to continue to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God? And we're just going to look at three reasons this morning. So, so first, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father means that Jesus is alive. Might seem simple, but for him to be seated at the right hand of the Father and for that to be true of right now means he's alive. He's not dead. Death, actually, death was defeated instead of death defeating Jesus. In the face of pain, suffering, disease, disappointment, in a world that's asking, God, would you just do something about this mess? Like theologians and, and uh, you know, you'll have all sorts of really intellectual people who are intellectual atheists saying, look at the problem of evil, look at the problem of suffering, and God's doing nothing about it. That's the problem with Christianity. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with this guy that's still alive? Does that kind of throw a wrench in your thoughts, maybe? Because if Jesus, it, the, there is a deep power in the reality, like imagine there was a, a late night TV show with a panelist of intellectual atheists just laying into God doing nothing about it, and Jesus is just sitting there. And it's like, oh, and we have Jesus, the creator, the eternal one, the one who was killed on the cross, and he's alive sitting right here. You look alive and well. Without him opening his mouth, he is speaking volumes. that there's a deep power in the reality Jesus is alive and maybe he has done something earth-shaking about it. Maybe we're not experiencing it in the way that our minds would want his victory to be experienced, but the reality that he's alive, um, I think means that he has done everything about it. The one that we pray to is alive and well. The one that we learn from in his word is alive and well. The one who has promised us that he has given his life for our life is alive and well. The one who has promised us that in his great mission, which he has sent us on, and that's why we call this sacred mission church. It's not because any of us 
have like thought of some great mission that we're calling people into. It's believing that Jesus himself is on a sacred mission for all of us rural Iowans, and we just get to join him in it. It's his thing. And the one who is calling us into that is alive and well. The one that promises that he will be with us to the end of the age is alive and well. The one who has promised and taught us that he lives to intercede for us. Like, hey, what I'm going to be doing when I'm not here is interceding for you, coming around you, and he is alive and well to do that. The one who robbed the grave, robbed death, getting the last word, robbed pain, getting the last word, robbed disappointment, getting the last word, robbed a lifetime of failure, getting the last word, he's alive and well. Secondly, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father means Jesus' sacrifice was accepted by the Father. You don't watch your son do something that you disapprove of and then be like, hey, sit at my right hand. What, what, just the fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father means his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. I think one of the greatest lies of our culture is that we just need to do more good than bad. And the sacrifice of our life of doing more bad than good will be acceptable to God. I think another great and common lie of our culture is that our payment, our penance, pays for our sins. So if I just do enough right to right my wrongs, then the yin and the yang will balance out and my sacrifice of my penance will be accepted by the Father. Thankfully, God loves you too much to let that be true. And I realize, like some of you, maybe that's what your great, great, great-grandparents taught the next generation, taught the next generation, taught the next generation, and that's just kind of the, the default road that we all walk down. And God's love is shocking. Um, it does, you can respect your great-grandparents, and in this area, have your eyes open to something else. And I tell my kids that. I'm like, guys, I would give anything for you guys to live way better lives than your mom and I. Like if I knew you were standing on our shoulders and even pushing us down as you stood on our shoulders and you were able to reach heights we couldn't in your walk with God even, that would, I would love that. I wouldn't be displeasing of that. I would love that. And I think for some of us, like we have to hear and maybe consider that it's okay for us to even go down a road that, that those who loved us didn't go down because, because God loves us and he's leading us down his road. So imagine kind of staying on that theme. Imagine if, and I know we're all, a lot of us are in pastel colors and it's like, hey, let's just keep this like warm and fuzzy and good feeling and stuff, but uh, um, I'm sorry, I just can't stay there. <laughs> it's good that we are that there's a lot of pastels going on, but uh, you know, I think for us to really, um, for me to not step cowardly into Easter, which I don't want to step cowardly into Easter, um, because I have to answer to him too. He's good. I'm not afraid of him. 
as a bad father, but I am afraid of proclaiming things that he doesn't proclaim uh, because I, I want his voice to be louder and clearer than my voice. Um, imagine the people, imagine the person that in your life you want to protect more than anybody. It might be a spouse, it might be a, a granddaughter, it might be a daughter, it might be a friend's daughter, but imagine somebody you want to protect more than anybody in the world, and um, you hear that, that they were at a party, they were drugged when they were in the bathroom, and uh, they were kidnapped, and human traffickers have them. And um, your mind is running wild with, um, with their intentions. And you hear that uh, the people that they caught on camera are, are just notorious um, people who value life zero. And um, you're anticipating that their life will be terrible forever. And you hear that they have a paperclip with them that that loved one has a paperclip in their pocket as they're right now being transported somewhere that God knows where. And you hear that they are hoping to use the paperclip to pick the lock and to maybe use that paperclip to stab the people who have them, and that is their plan of escape. Um, and you realize that person has no idea how to do that. Even with a paperclip, they can't pick a lock. They, what, a paperclip? That's what they have to stab? And as you are pondering the success, as you are just, all of the people who have seen those movies taken, you know, all of the vengeance welling up inside of you, the like getting all your guns together, buying plane tickets or whatever, as you ponder all of their success with a paperclip, you get a call that they figured out that your, your person with some other people are in a slum in Mexico City. Your loved one is being held there and it's, an, it's a notoriously brutal place. Notoriously brutal things are happening there. And you are told though that um, cell phones have been traced to the slum in Mexico City, verified that the person you love is there. And, um, but then you also hear that there's a Marine Force recon group, there's a Delta Force group, there are Navy SEALs, all with courage in their hearts, with even passion burning in their eyes, and they are ready to rescue, and the success of their mission is 100%. And, and man, I don't want to be the pastor that's just trying to emotionally stir the room, but I'm wanting to to match, I think, the reality of what's happening in the room is you get the call. These forces are ready. They're ready to rescue. The way that the room is set up, your loved one will not be hurt. The rescue is 100% guaranteed. What would you like to do? And um, will you give the green light? You, know, you, you have the legal authority to give the green light. Do you give the green light for them? And um, would you say, no, don't go. They've got a plan. I hear they have a paperclip. They've got a good plan. Let's let them 
do what they want to do. Would that be your response? (laughs) Would you say like, hey, let him use the paperclip? Or would you say, let's roll, go. What word do I have to say to put this into motion, right? Uh, What what are you looking for? Tell me what to say. I will say it right away. If Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, like truly, if, if Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, it means the mission was a resounding success. 100%. Like, the, the mission was a resounding success because of where he is sitting right now. He would not be sitting there if the mission was not a resounding success. He loves you too much to demand his way into your life. He he knows what you need. He knows what you have in your hand, a paperclip, for the salvation of your own soul. And he loves you too much to demand his way into your life. He respects you too much to demand his way into your life. You have a paperclip in your hand, and what Jesus would like is just for you to give him the paperclip. Be like, here you go. Why don't you save me however you seem fit? I'll just give this over to you. It'd be like that, that person that these teams are storming in, and they're like, hey, I have this if you need it. Like, hey, thank you so much. Your contribution has been really, you know, really useful. You know, and then they, um, you know, he, he doesn't mock us, and if, he doesn't mock us, but if we resist him, we mock him. And don't let that, don't let that give you shame. It's appropriate if that gives you sorrow. Maybe I've mocked him until now in my life. I've, I've kept him outside. Heaven's greatest force. I've kept heaven's greatest force for my rescue outside. Poised to rescue me with courage and passion and ability. So while we, and it's very healthy not to say, well, it's very healthy to say, man, make me want that. If that is true, if heaven's greatest force is outside the room waiting to bust in with me holding my paperclip thinking my way is God's way, um, if that is true, God, would you let the truth of it flood my life? Would I not give you a thousand reasons? No. If that reason is a yes, that will turn all my no's to yeses. This is why we worship him. <laughs> this, this is why we, we, we really are okay even looking silly worshiping him because of what he's done for us, right? When, when someone is rescued at that magnitude, you don't like plan a speech. You don't think of what you're gonna do. You're just like, you know, you see people win a buzzer beater shot. 
Whatever they do after that, it's usually unscripted, right? It's like, I mean, I've been a part of things where we like just run around the court. Like that only happened a couple times that I ever remember, maybe once, and I was not the person shooting the shot. But like in middle school, I remember someone making a shot, buzzer beater, and we all just run around the room. And I remember someone telling us like, you guys look like morons, you know? And it was like, that was just what we did when we, when we won, you know? And um, there aren't 10 other people seated around the right hand of the Father. There aren't all these other ways into the throne of God. There's one right now seated at the right hand of the Father. And you might right now want another way. You might want your way. But giving your life to Jesus, walking with him, learning from him, you'll realize you don't want any other way. Third, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father means Jesus is reigning. Jesus is alive. The Father's sacrifice is accepted, and Jesus is reigning. Where he sits, he's sitting on a throne. So he's in the room. He's, he's in the throne room, sitting at the right hand of the Father on a throne. Nothing, no one is more powerful the worship team's going to come up and start getting ready. By Jesus reigning, it means that nothing is able to overthrow him. Realize Jesus, he's sitting down, okay? So, like, imagine this next U.S. election, maybe. Like, the next, like, countrywide, just a or a statewide election, let's just say for the next five years, every single election at the ballot is just as far against Jesus's desires as possible. And we could be like, man, where's our country going? Man, everything's falling apart. And it could be like a serious thing. It could really be a serious thing. But it's a tiny thing. If you know hey, Jesus is sitting down right now next to the Father. He's not like pacing, tearing his, head, his hair out, being like, man, I have no idea what's happening right now. I, my, I didn't think this was going to happen. I had no plan for this. The only time, this is a fascinating thing in Scripture, there's only one time in Scripture in the book of Acts that we're told that Jesus stands up. He's been seated next to the right hand of the Father. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the only time that Jesus stands up is when the first person who gave their life to Jesus is being hit by a barrage of rocks, being stoned to death because he's following Jesus. And we actually have Stephen, is the guy in the book of Acts, as Stephen knows he will be, uh, this will be a fatal event Stephen says, I, 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 he looks up and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. It's the only time in scripture that we see Jesus standing. He doesn't stand because he doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't stand because he's, uh, this is outside of, of his abilities. He stands out of attention, honor, love, respect, not standing for an enemy, but standing for one of his rescued kids. 
that's paying the ultimate price for their faith. Um, Jesus reigning in heaven means he is somewhere right now. Um, that might seem like a small thing. Um, shortly after my wife's death, several months ago, um, in the midst of all the grieving, and many have been grieving deeply for that and many other things, um, the thought occurred to me like, what if instead I just knew my wife was in Paris? What if instead of, of everything that we've experienced, for some reason, she, she just had to go to Paris? And... Um, like, would have to be there for the rest of her life, for the rest of my life. I just knew she would be in Paris. But I'm told from others she's having the time of her life. I'm told from others she really loves it there. Or pick some other city if you don't like Paris. Um, and, and I'm told that she just misses us dearly, misses us like crazy. And she knows that we're missing her like crazy but after this chapter is over, um, man, we're going to be all together, and it'll be better than the best season of our lives that we've ever experienced. It, it won't take the sad away. It, it doesn't take the sad away. It's still sad, and the story would be far from over. So Jesus reigning right now, Jesus reigning means he is somewhere. Just as if I, and Jesus reigning means my wife is somewhere too. But Jesus reigning means Jesus is somewhere. And his plans, I think this is so important. His plans are still exactly what they were before. He's not demoted. Because he's reigning, the plan is still the plan. Because he's reigning, None of what happened threw off his plans. He is reigning at the highest level. And his plan is to take all who want, who want his new kingdom, to take us all where he will reign, to take us all where we have all always desired to be, and even more. He is alive. He reigns. He will return. He will take us to be with him. And is this just helpful information? You know, what's our response? As he's seated at the right hand of the Father, let's go back to Hebrews 12 for that. What's our response? Our response is, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let's run to him together Let's run with him together. Let's run to him together. Let's run with him together. These are glorious days. They really are. Man, would one of us not be on the sidelines during these glorious days that we have, the glorious things that are offered to us? Uh, let's show people who think that nothing good comes out of rural Iowa. Uh, there are people who think that. Uh, I know it's surprising, but um, um, let's show people that even in Collins... I love Collins, um, I really do, that, uh, but that truly with God, glorious days are possible for anyone, anywhere, including right here. Jesus, have, have your way, have our lives. This is our God, 
This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is who he is. He saves us. Really does. Would you, would you run into that this morning? So we're going to worship God using the vehicle of a song, this last song, to carry our praise to him. And we're going to do something that we've never done before that was hotly debated. Uh, we're going to actually fire off some confetti hand cannon things. Feels appropriate, I think. But if you're a combat veteran or for various reasons, uh, loud banks, you know, just are, are unsettling. Just know uh, we've tested one, but it was outside. It wasn't crazy loud, but it was loud. So I think we have nine together. So just know, like, the, the kids are going to come. They're going to help us enter into worship. Um, and then they'll help us by throwing and shooting confetti all over the place. So um, if you are prone to slip and fall on things, be mindful of that too, please. Um, but, um, man, let's... Um, let, let's run to him together.